0: good evening 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 it is 8 45 it's the sunday podcast what's happening what's happening um let me turn turn let me shut the discord down because that will be that will be loud let's maybe unmute the bass oh hello So I find myself in this position quite often. When I've reached the end of the day, I've already put in a bunch of time practicing, uh, probably about about three and a half hours today, I would say. Um, That was just one session earlier on. So I'm going going for two sessions today. I thought I would do the most cop-out episode of the podcast and just go read a bunch of questions and comments and do uh, like a QA and a thing but I still actually do need to practice I think this is due to uh, having a brain that doesn't really ever shut down uh, I have not become successful at shutting it down on some delay stuff actually I have to consult a previously recorded loop Ah, except not that one damn it okay so this is where my sort of Digital is awesome. I always say to people, people say like, what is the most important thing I should be doing in my practice routine? I always say recording it, like recording your practice routine is paramount because when you get that one moment and I know everyone that's listening has had that one moment where you did something, you weren't expecting to do it, it was totally new and then literally three seconds later, you can't get back to it because you can't remember exactly what it was. It's not something that's in your repertoire. It's not something that's in your muscle memory. You can't just dial it right back in on demand because it's new. Maybe you made like a, a mistake or something, but through that mistake, you came up with something new. So I always say the most important thing to me is recording the practice routine. Of course, now I'm recording the podcast. So I have a record of everything that's going on, uh, but I'm getting more and more in the habit of recording a higher quality version of of ideas that i have so i'm sort of trying to discipline myself to open up logic and have a recording session ready to go when i'm practicing so when i happen upon an idea boom i'm in so luckily i did that today and it was just this tempo that i'm looking for here actually 54 and, uh, ooh, there it is so I've got the hungry robot Moby Dick version 2 that's the delay pedal on the board right now I'm also using the zero graph deluxe ooh, gives it some definite grit and grunt like having that sweep there his toe down that's all the way open with the envelope filter and here's Heel Down. It's a pretty big range there. I'll sweep it so you can hear the whole, whole range. Oh. Yeah, it's a big range. It's even distorting the sound a little bit, but that's what kind of what I'm in, into with this sound. That's why I'm using it to give a little bit of breakup. Voicings having the third and the fourth in a third and the eleventh, third and the fourth in a major chord. So I've got major third, natural four, five, one. Really like that sound. So it's really nice to be able to play off the delay. Like let the delay do a lot of the work for me. I think that's why I'm so drawn to delays. And sort of the just the scope, the opportunity, the the chance, the, the just the the possibility that that I might chance upon an idea and you know just leaning into the delay, letting it do a lot of the work, and being able to play in a way that I wouldn't normally, you know with if the if the sound was just completely dry. so. In the looper back with the Ditto X2 right now, very simple setup. Also, something I've been noticing um, good technique for looping. If I were to start the loop right now and play my first note on the downbeat, there would be no trail from the previous chord from the chord that is eventually going to come at the end of the loop. So, what I've been making sure I'm doing recently is really making sure i have something going so the first thing isn't just the attack of the first note it's also the trail from something that will inevitably come at the end of the loop and it doesn't make it so abrupt you don't get this sudden cut off in terms of the trails when the loop comes around It's so annoying right there to me. Maybe someone can weigh in on this pedal expert, perhaps something that I am not. I'm a pedal fan, I'm a big pedal fan, but definitely not a pedal expert. Is this, this bugging me, this sound, this, every time I engage certain pedals on the board, this latching, latching switch. Is that really necessary? I have, you hear that you hear the difference. That's the, that's the world side of the dark world. You can barely hear it as I touch that. But right next to it, not two inches away, is the engage switch for the Hungry Robot. Spam! Huge clunk. I wonder if that's really necessary. And if I could actually just go through and uh, model my pedals and uh, switch them out with um, non-latching switches... Just especially when I've got headphones on like this recording a podcast it's re- it really it gets amplified to me I know that most people are playing in a loud situation nobody's really going to hear the click click of the pedal but I do some solo shows sometimes it's kind of annoying to like break the mood if you have like a nice beautiful melody or something going on or like just a, a scene that you're setting and then suddenly clack clack in the middle of it kind of a bummer the ditto doesn't have it It's still kind of loud, I gotta say, but it's definitely non latching. Oh, that's really loud. I just engaged the meat box. up on the on the room mic here but I'm really loving having the meat box back on the board looking for a way to get a nice big kind of 808 sub bomb i'm guessing that's going to be guessing that's going to be with the filter and i don't know what else maybe the docterania still not pokey enough definitely got to work on that maybe with the f emiron in the lower octave perhaps Mm, something in there Get loud as hell though like trying to get the gain structure on something like that between the high stuff the percussive stuff and then like the, the super low punchy 808 kick or something like that oof that is a little bit of a challenge when you're just using pedals um, something i got to work a lot more on and maybe something I'm thinking about getting the poly digit slash Bebo I don't know if you guys have heard of that looks like a pretty badass multi-effects unit really programmable and uh, almost limitless in what you can do with it. So I'm thinking of getting that for more sort of processing and programming, sound, synths, all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm using sort of almost an all analog board here right now. The H9 isn't on it. The HX stomp is, but everything else is just single stomp boxes. No MIDI or anything, just kick the morning star off. I don't know. It's that eternal thing that seems to go back and forth of like, am I gonna use like am I gonna use a big board? Am I just gonna throw all the pedals in a camera bag like I used to? Set them all up every night. I took the Eros looper off, put the Ditto X2 back on. I don't know. It always seems like Yeah. It never se- you know what it never seem it never seems balanced. Um, whenever i like get a whole kind of high tech thing going with midi and digital stuff then there doesn't seem to be enough analog stuff and vice versa and right now i find myself back with more analog stuff delays and tremolo and um kind of envelope filter stuff so yeah it's a weird balance to try and strike i guess even made even weirder because there are just no gigs to go out and do and test it out on right if I had a purpose, <laughs> if we had a purpose, we could perhaps test some of this shit out. Um, yeah, if we actually had a gig to go to, uh, then we could then we could make some real world decisions in real time. Um, but right now, I'm kind of resigned to being in my studio and just recording this stuff and for recording I'm even thinking about just like throwing the two or three pedals that I'm using for this particular track you know for the moment in a song just throwing them up on the desktop actually if I don't have to tap tempo or anything and recording them piecemeal just not even thinking about looping just uh, trying to get in the habit of you know some integrity in the signal chain I guess that would help the fidelity of it not having like 12 pedals in the chain just having the two I'm using that would probably help the sound quality Um, and then layering it you know piece by piece in Logic rather than in the looper so I actually have the option to mix it kind of multi-track later I haven't done too much of that before it's always been kind of just a live looping vibe so that's something that's on my mind that was what I was doing today I put the uh, I put this kind of put the high part down first that bit and then added the meat box to it afterwards but it's weird composing like that because normally i do it on the fly and it's all improvised and i'm just building up layer after layer after layer now once i have the option of course in the door in logic to you know to multi-track and to build it as big or as small as i like now i have almost too many options compositionally speaking and then i've really got to think about form and sort of tempo and sticking within that tempo but then uh, keeping the integrity of the chordal part for instance with the same sound like all the kind of things i wouldn't be able to do when i'm looping live and now i'm afforded the opportunity to do it and it's almost too many options i gotta say that's the feeling i get from it it's like my initial sort of pushback on it like oh yeah i don't really want to do that it w- i think it would be nice if i had an engineer of course it would be nice if I had an engineer, it would be awesome if I had an engineer, it would make life so much easier. I'm not trying to make excuses for not recording more, but I kind of foresee the success, like the point of this kind of style of recording, of, of using the pedals, even using the looper a little bit um, to record and to multi-track things. The success of that could well be with an engineer, so I can really just concentrate on the playing and on the pedals and have somebody else engineering kind of grabbing stuff in real time anyway those are the thoughts those are the thoughts going through my uh never sleeping brain um as i think about putting out content really thinking about doing some either some singles um i'm sure i'm the last last person to this party but uh I just checked out DistroKid for the first time who seemed to have a pretty nice setup where you pay per year, not per release, which is kind of cool. And then you get unlimited releases on the year. So that might afford me the ability to put out a series of singles kind of as and when they're happening. Really capture what's going on in the moment. So I'm pretty excited about that. If I can get it to a high enough standard here at home and then send it over to John Davis to be mixed, I think that'd be really there would be some uh, some value in that I think Um, could actually like share complete compositions with you guys playing off a theme that's been um, rattling around my brain around my studio for the past week or so and uh, came up with a little bit of a more like an exercise thing um, playing minor flat 7 uh, that's like B flat minor and then flat 7 uh, major 6 so A flat 6 and then turning it into A flat diminished F diminished F diminished Five to one so to a to a minor and so it's just a way to move down to move in half steps oh i've been wearing glasses all day long no contact lenses massive domestic day here at the house Ooh. new cooking pans carbon steel cooking pans that require seasoning two three four times so i've been those have been in and out of the oven being seasoned before they could uh, be used so i've been up and down to the kitchen all day haven't put any contact lenses on, and just taken my glasses off. God, that feels good. Uh, can't see a bloody thing right now, but I don't need to because I'm recording a podcast, and I know where all the notes are on my bass, thankfully. So, flat six, major six, and then flat six, diminish. So our new um, tonal center becomes A. So kind of getting from B flat minor to A minor. Um, B flat to A flat six. to A flat diminished and then F diminished to A minor. Same pattern now. G, then G diminished, E diminished to A flat minor major six, G flat diminished, E flat, diminished to G minor. So you can go the whole instrument in half steps, changing keys like that. E minor, D six, D diminished. side of the dart well. Sound of the uh, of the bass here because the microphone is so close. Um. I like that little sequence. Really. Uh-oh, yeah. A bandstand doing that kind of shit in the middle of a groove, in the middle of a song with someone like Russlin. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's good that I have some memory of what it was like to be on stage and play with other musicians, so at least I can still hear what I think would be going on. So that's one positive take on it, right? Okay, so it's not like... Yes, it might be almost a year since we've played a gig, but it's not like we never played a gig before that. Good to remember that. And then uh, try and capitalise on what memories uh, of that we have. Instagram I don't know why I was on Instagram live earlier on but it was um, and uh, someone was asking someone said something about how about the amount of overplaying that is going to happen when we first get back to playing gigs it's not a. I mean it's a shit thing to think about because I hope I hope that's not going to be a thing of course it is going to be a thing people are just going to be so starved in terms of uh Not having been out, not having been working on anything, playing, nothing, you know. It's going to happen. I'm already gearing up for that to not be a thing where I'm concerned. And I hope anyone I'm working with... uh, Whoa, I just tried to stand up. But the headphones were attached to the chair. Um, Yeah, I hope anyone I'm working with is not in that mode of like, holy shit, it's been so long. I now have to, you know, make sure people remember who I once thought I was <laughs> oh dear yeah so the, the the potential for the ego to uh, to jump back out in a lot of places is going to be pretty strong I would imagine although I do see a lot of people have just been out doing shit already I'm not sure how the fuck that is a thing but there are definitely some hopefully they're isolated I, th- I hope they're isolated um, isolated cases of people out and playing and doing stuff man it's so dumb um, but yeah the, the road back to doing what we do going to be an interesting one going to be a massive learning experience probably I, I reckon it's going to be a learning experience sort of like not exactly like but a little bit like our first days of getting on stage and doing what we do obviously we're going to be armed with a lot more knowledge than we had when we were maybe 14 15 16 I don't know when we first got on stage and played a gig but there's going to be an element of that I think and an element of like ooh shit i kind of remember this but there're going to be there are going to be a few scary moments here and there um definitely on the you know being gig ready being able to make it from one end of the gig to the other without feeling feeling completely spent and wasted that's going to be interesting because i know i mean i know like even when i'm home for a month or two and not on the road and i don't really play gigs at home anyway ever so most of my playing is on tour so i know when i'm in that mode when i get out the last time i went out with bob for instance um it was like a couple of days into the tour before you really feel like, okay, I'm hitting my stride here. Not that the first gigs are crap or anything, but you definitely feel like, okay, you need a couple of days to get into that mindset of playing two big sets a night. Sometimes it's two shows a night if they're ch- turning over the audience. So that will be a challenge. I'm hoping that, I'm really hoping that the first gig's back for me. If i being, this is being very selfish right now. I'm really hoping that it could potentially be in Japan maybe even at the Cotton Club or the Blue Note or something because they run on such a schedule it's like such a known entity that would be a very bougie way to go back to it you know play a few nights at each club in Japan and you know it's exactly a 60 minute set each time and the sets are kind of early and yeah that would be really if i could i guess if i could have my my choice of where to get back on stage first that would be it so um, that would be nice. They're very selfish, though. Let's <laughs> and, and who knows how realistic that is as well. That's just me, like, number one choice. If somebody asked me that question, I'd be like, yeah, Cotton Club, Tokyo, three nights, six shows. Then you really sort of like, okay, I know exactly where I'm at. It's a good place to, like, measure yourself as well. And it's not like a competition either. It's just like, okay, can I do this? Am I ready? Can I do this? And... How quickly can I get to the point, get back to the point where I'm so comfortable on stage that I'm actually asking questions rather than just sort of treading water? There's one thing to be kind of like, oh, yeah, I, I, this is a known entity. I know how to do this. So let's do it because I know it's going to I know it's going to land. I know the audience are going to dig this. I'm sure there'll be a little bit of that because I'm pretty sure we're all going to need a safety net of something at some point to be like, OK, I have to know that something is going to work, just to give me that little bit of confidence to spring forwards from. But I just wonder how long it's going to take to get to that full kind of flow state, to get in the zone, and to really be asking big questions when we play, as opposed to just sort of going through the motions. Um, and the, I like the more I can go through the motions at home, I guess, the better. I'm sure I have talked about it on the podcast before, maybe even done it on the podcast before, but just the whole practice set thing, the ear training exercise of, you know, putting 15 songs that you've never played before in a Spotify playlist and just hitting play and jamming along to them from start to finish without stopping, doing everything in real time and trying to learn all 15 songs. So the focus is verse, you know, pop songs. I'm talking about, you know, like a Stevie Winwood tune or a... John Mayer tune or something, something that has a verse and a chorus, something that has some uh, is a kind of a known entity like a form, but also something that's going to take up an hour of your time of actual bass playing. And the the goal is, if it's like a verse chorus verse chorus bridge type of song, is to by the time the second verse comes around, so you've heard an intro, a verse, and a chorus. By the time the second verse comes around, you should probably know the song. Like that's that's the goal I set myself. So I set myself an hour set. Of songs I've never played before, and do that. I'll do that a few nights a week. I have been doing that a few nights a week um, lately, and that's that's pretty good in terms of just knowing where you're at. You know, show length, set length wise. Maybe you never really get the volume. I'm not playing like stage volume at home. I'd drive myself nuts. Never mind my wife, and uh, probably some of the people in the neighborhood at some point. But so you never really get that kind of digging in that hard thing that the thing that really taxes your um your stamina unfortunately you don't get that there's no real way to create that other than getting out there in the octagon and fighting with a drum not fighting you know i mean not fighting but playing with a drummer playing at stage volume there's nothing that that sort of beats that um really tough to recreate that at home on your own but yeah just in terms of the sort of reactive skills i think that's a great way to go um working on songs you don't know and trying to pick them up by ear in real time giving yourself you know the best chance of success of of making it work when you get back on stage and also just maintaining your ear that's huge as well it's, it's really easy i have found it's really easy to let certain things go simply because we're not reminded of them enough you know, when you're on a gig, there are so many moving parts. You're constantly reminded of things that you know how to do and, you know, uh, and, and have to do um, just due to the basic nature of being a bass player in the moment on a, on a live gig. But at home, I've we, we, I, I found it anyway easy to forget there are certain things, certain elements of what we do on stage that we just don't have to when we're at home. You know, just the, the simple discipline of playing a song from start to finish. Is, is a pretty big one. It's a basic one, but it's a big one. Like We don't really have to do anything from start to finish when we're at home practicing. We can just stop or give up or move to, move to something else. But that kind of focus and concentration, I think it's really easy to forget that. We can be quick to forget how uh, important that is in the moment on a gig. So the whole practice settlers thing sort of refocuses the attention for a, a solid amount of time. It's one thing to practice exercises and just whatever's in your practice routine for an hour. It's another to be completely focused on a very specific task that's happening in real time. Something to add a little bit of discipline to what we do on our own. So I found that useful. You might want to try that. Um, I have a few of those playlists on my Spotify. If you go to my Spotify, uh, search out Yannick Guzdala or Guizmon, G-W-I-Z-M-O-N, G-W-I-Z-M-O-N. Well, I, I forget what it's under, but my sort of public playlists on Spotify I do have practice sets. Just search them out. Yannick Wuzdala practice sets. There are a few on there, not that many, but I've posted a few. And um, maybe they will be of some use to you. Check it out. No ad break this time. We're at the end of the podcast. Didn't even do an ad break or a sponsored buy. Um I have been getting some really good feedback from the uh, learning by ear course that is sort of in soft launch mode. Um At Yannick's base studio, I had a few few nice messages about that, and people kind of motivated to get back into playing because I think because it's like consumable, like bite-sized chunks, where there's not a shitload of work on the front end that you have to do to get the information into your fingers. But once you do get it in there, you can go in a ton of different directions with it. So that's something new. That's something that is at Yannick's studio dot com. You can buy it as a standalone course or um, buy membership. It is literally 46 of your American cents per day to be a member. Not the, uh, not the most taxing financial commitment there is. And there's certainly a lot of stuff there, over 500 lessons and all kinds of stuff. So um, I guess that is very much after the fact the sponsor of today's podcast. And um, all this week, I'm actually going to be adding material to that course um, now that we have a basic framework for it. Like I said, it's in a soft launch. It was mainly for just for the members, but some new people have been coming in and grabbing it, and uh, so far the feedback has been good. So I'm happy about that. I'm happy we're going in the right direction with it. I shall add more content this week, and you are more than welcome to check it out at yannicksbassstudio.com. And uh, that's it. That's it. That's, that's that's the Sunday podcast. Hopefully there is something of use for you amongst the Sunday evening, um, Sunday evening ramblings, and uh, see you all again for a bit of a ramble next week. Later.